March of 2021, over 170,000 illegal immigrants crossed the border. Mexico has a tendency to eat and make people disappear. And people fostering, supporting, and you know, cheering some of these groups as they go make their way up need to realize that there is a machine that's feeding off these people that is not related to any humanitarian yeah. crisis or issue. It's a machine that basically is rejoicing with the way the border is currently. In 2020, the most dangerous city in the world was Los Cabos, Mexico. You can line up all of the Marines on Camp Pendleton on that border. That's not going to be enough. You think something's coming sooner than later? I, I think there's going to be uh, an overt cartel action stateside within, you know, soon. Ed, welcome back, dude. It's been like what six months? It's 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 been six months of you know, um, midnight of the soul, you know, type of situation going on in the world. But yeah, it's been six months. You know, being back. Yeah, cool. well, it's good to have you back, dude. Thank Real you for good. thank you for the invitation back, man. It was, You're it was welcome. A great time last time. So me and Katie were talking right before you got here, and we were just. Dude, you're just cool to be around, and we were we were saying, you know, everybody should just be a little bit more like Ed. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I travel a lot and meet a lot of people, and specifically, I make connections with a lot of people out there sometimes. And it's, to me, it's always funny because it's not about meeting new people for me; it's about finding people. Uh, you know, like uh, you, I mean, you went through your you know, yeah. life, your life, uh, life choices, just like I did. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's always interesting comparing notes and scars with people like, yeah. And not specifically, uh, uh, not specifically comparing, but also just kind of sh sharing some of the ways we kind of deal with some of that. You know, just last, being around like-minded people who, yeah. who can relate. You yeah. Know? Last, last time you, uh, inadvertently gave me some guidance <laughs> and, right through on, our conversations man. and uh you know i've been uh changing some life some some of my uh, lifestyle choices because of because of some of those conversations and uh you know doing pretty well that's awesome here dude so i'm happy to thank hear you that. again for yeah. that you're welcome but um so you've been hanging down on the border yeah and um, i wanted to get you here to talk about what the hell's going on down there with the border crisis. And um, so I did a little research before you got here and then we'll dive in because I know you're going to have an extremely unique perspective and first-hand yeah. knowledge of what's going on down there. So just to kind of get everybody up to speed on what's going on, you know, border crisis, U.S.-Mexico border has been in the news nonstop, uh, especially since... January. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> the New York Times reported on April 5th, March of 2021, over 170,000 illegal immigrants crossed the border. 
That's the largest single month in over a decade. The Biden administration opened its 10th border holding facility in his three months in office. This is from the New York Times. They're allowed to hold people for roughly three days, from what I understand, or at least that's what the New York Times is putting out. ABC7 in San Francisco put out on April 8th, 18,663 unaccompanied children crossed the border in March alone. That's five times more than March 2020. They're as young as three years old. Also, if you go to JoeBiden.com, he says, per his website, he was going to immediately end prolonged detention and reinvest in case management, whatever that means. And this is a quote, Biden will codify protections to safeguard children to make sure their treatment is consistent within their best interest. Now, NBC is reporting that in Texas at the holding facilities, there is uh, child neglect, child abuse, and sexual abuse going on. So that's not really working out, is it? Um, also, the WhiteHouse.com says they provide temporary legal status to illegal immigrants. That's 11 million illegal immigrants as of today. And we have 10 million people unemployed in the United States. <clears throat> According to Tan Homan, the former ICE director, he put this out today on April 29th. The Border Patrol is using the term broken arrow. They cannot handle what's coming at them. And at least 40% of the Border Patrol is now tied up in these holding facilities with the 10 new holding facilities, yeah. which we weren't supposed to have anymore. Also during a during an epidemic. Yeah, during a pandemic. A pandemic and a pandemic with now like four or five different strains coming in uh, from different parts of the world that uh, seem to behave differently, you know. And again, more ca more holding sites, more cages, as they would like to say back, uh, you know, a few months back that all of a sudden they don't want to say the cage thing, you know. It's interesting. It's funny how it changes so fast, um, but I wanted to... So, also, as per ABC7 San Francisco, the top three countries coming out, uh, coming across the borders, number one, Mexico, number two, Honduras, and number three, Guatemala. Now, in 2020, the most dangerous city in the world was Los Cabos, Mexico. Has the highest murder. Uh, rate per capita. Yep. yep. The highest murder rate countries is of this year in 2021. Number one is El Salvador. Number two, Honduras. And uh, number three, Venezuela. One, two, three. All go. Latin American countries. Yeah. Uh, according to ICE 2020, 374,000 conviction uh, criminal charges have happened uh, just in, 20, in 2020. That's 74,000 DUIs, 67,000 drug arrests, 1,900 murders, 1,600 kidnappings, 37,000 assaults, and 10,000 sex crimes. 
By the way, ICE only has jurisdiction within 100 miles that's of the U.S.-Mexican yeah, US border. border. Yeah. So that's that's just that small that region. region. Yeah. So <laughs> what the hell is going on down there, Ed? What else is happening? Uh, first off, a little bit of perspective and where I'm coming from. Um, I not only worked down there for 12 years uh, working against uh, cartels and people smugglers and organized crime. Uh, I also got to, you know, uh, take down and, uh, you know, take apart certain organizations that were doing people trafficking across the border uh, during my time active. Um, so I bring that perspective with myself when I give my opinion on some of these things. Uh, I also was a, an instructor for a while down there, and I have a lot of people that I trained that are currently active uh, in federal and state and municipal levels down there uh, within the police forces. And you witnessed uh, some of those uh, WhatsApp images and messages that I get every day, and I showed you some of those. So I'm, you know, I, I, I keep I keep myself informed on, on some of these things. Not only that, but I'm an immigrant myself. Mm -hmm. A legal immigrant to this country. I came here with nothing. Went through the process. It was a nightmare of a process, but somehow, some way, and just by doing things correctly, I made it. Um, that and also Tijuana, one of the focal points of some of these migrant caravans, uh, 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 is my hometown. Right. So that's my perspective on some of these issues. That's that's, that's where I come from when I look at it. Uh, I was in Tijuana when the first car migrant caravan showed up during the Trump administration. Uh, I was there when they rushed the border, when they utilized uh, some of the kids that were with them as a sort of shield by running towards the border with the, with the kids in their arms. Um, I got to see Hondurans taunt local uh, law enforcement and locals in Tijuana that they were gonna be taking over the area. They're gonna turn Tijuana into Honduras and then a lot of them were abducted by the cartels and never seen again because you know Tijuana has an immune system. Um, I got to see all that phenomenon back then and also got to see what the you know, restrictive border policies did for immigration and specifically for trafficking, illegal immigration. It went down in a lot of places. Specifically, uh, Unaccompanied kids, that, that specific phenomenon was, you know, it wasn't really a thing. You know, trends went down. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, elections went how they went. And it was like a beacon that, that sounded. Um, things, were, that, things that had traditionally been, you know, understood about putting a caravan through the country all the way to the border you know, how it wasn't fruitful for a lot of the caravan members. A lot of them basically just went back. They gave up. Uh, now there's a new administration, and a lot of them are coming up with the idea that is being told to them by organizers that now is the time to get in. Yep. The doors are open. Now is the time to get in. Now is a moment where amnesty is going to be. Uh, given to them, and now is the time to to send their kids if they can't make the trip themselves. Now is the time to send themselves to cross themselves. Um, so you see the migrant caravan members arriving in places like Tijuana with Biden flags, yeah. uh, Biden T-shirts, um, 
documentation and different uh, in, in in their native languages that tells them what to say to local authority, what to say to the immigration authorities when they need them. Um, wrist straps to denote kids, women, uh, minors, uh, people that have paid in full for their, you know, the coyote, the smuggler to, to toss them over, and people that still owe. No, it's a, a whole system cropped up overnight as soon as the administration took power, as soon as they basically said, now I think the, the immigration policy is going to be more lax. So they had... They had already. They're, they're ready. They already had this planned out before the, the, the election even happened. They were ready for business to reopen, basically. Because I remember, uh, right after the election, uh, the news was covering um, thousands of people uh, gathering right across the border, just waiting for yeah, the yeah. official announcement. Yeah, and as and as soon as they got it, you know, it's not just that they were ready to make the trip. But the business side of it is already set up on the border. If you want to make it across that border, you need to pay a toll to a coyote. And those coyotes are usually run, mostly exclusively run by some of the some of the biggest cartel organizations in Mexico. Well, I mean, with 170,000 people coming over in you know, last month alone in March. That's depending on how, depending on who they are and who, how much they're charging. I don't know, it could be $5,000 per head. Yeah. If you can't pay now, you can pay later. And where's I mean, this money owe... going? Cartels. The cartels? Uh, cartels, some of the biggest money makers as far as the border for cartels are trafficking in people and trafficking in, in uh, narcotics. You know, those are the two major things. So when the announcement came, the elections went like they went, the dinner bell was, was rang for them, right? Like, this is the time. And people have to realize that a lot of those miners that are making their way up, you know, are unaccompanied and are being physically tossed over the border. If people want to doubt, doubt this, they can see, I posted a video, a night vision video of them basically tossing some of these miners over the border. Not just that, but some of these kids are actually being put on buses and or bused to the border from the southern border. And some of them aren't making it out there, you know. There's... It's hard to file a missing uh, persons report when you're not a national, uh, a Mexican national, when you're crossing your way through the country. Yeah. You know, a lot of people go missing in, in that area, you know. Uh, women get looked at specifically. You know, women get reutilized in other, you know, mean sex trafficking is common. And right now it's a booming business. Why? There's a lot of fresh bodies. Why? Everybody's under the impression that there's a permissive environment as far as crossing the border and getting the amnesty right now where they get that impression um it's up for debate but what i'm seeing is everybody coming in is surprised by the fact that they're not just being let in really yeah they're like well, i thought we we're just gonna just go inside just go in and the documentation they, that they some of them have is related to what they have to say what are the legal rights are you know, uh, you know how to how to how to ask for amnesty, all, all these things, and it seems like they're just coached, basically. Mm-hmm. Like somebody is something is somebody or a group is coaching them down there, as they make their way up. Uh, I mean, I think uh, you know, it's very concerning, but I think uh, a lot of people are extremely concerned. And yeah, that you know, one hundred seventy thousand people crossed the border last month illegally. And that's, you know, that's an issue in itself. But, you know, 
just like anybody, people don't let a good crisis go to waste, oh, correct? No. no. So uh, what it, are the cartels doing and who are they smuggling I mean, in? So how many people made it across the border? A hundred and, and over 170,000 people okay. last March. March of 2020, 30,000. Okay, it some, of them, some of them probably had backpacks on. And what was in that backpack? Who knows? Yeah. Right? So um, it's not just fostering illegal immigration. It's also fostering narcotics coming into the country. And not just any narcotics, probably some fentanyl lace stuff. You know, mm -hmm. not, it's not, there's not weed bundles that, that have in those backpacks. So that is paired with the crisis that's going on, on the border. I mean, it's a golden hour. Imagine your border protection agency on your southern border is tied up guarding detention centers. If I'm a transnational cartel dedicated to moving drugs across the border, this is, this is golden. This is a golden hour. It's a golden hour for me. Uh, I'm making money not just off the people crossing the border, and I basically give it, paying them a toll and actually selling some of them into slavery in a, in, 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 a, in a way. If you can't pay for your crossing, you'll pay for your crossing through work in the States. Or your family will pay a type of ransom for you when you cross. And if you can't, then, you know, or if you're pretty, you know, we'll use you for something else. Yeah. Uh, people have to realize that it's not just a humanitarian crisis on that border where people coming through. There's also piece of people going missing down there as they try to make their way through. Their story doesn't start at the border. Yeah. Their story starts all the way down there as they make their way up here. And people vilifying Border Patrol, people vilifying uh, Homeland, people vilifying law enforcement on this side at that border. It's interesting how the conversation never gets touched up on uh, the criminal organization. They're actually making a killing financially on putting people across that border, busing people, moving people through Mexico up to the up to the border wall, and taxing them for protection, selling them their you know a lot of these these uh, these uh, these irregular encampments are just rife with drug use as well. Mm -hmm. um, there was a there was a migrant caravan encampment on the first caravan that came in that set up next to a school in Tijuana. They had to close the school because of all the needles they were finding in the soccer fields. No shit. And I'm not saying all all of these people have that issue, mm -hmm. but some of these places that are being set up irregularly are a center for people to. It's not it's not a healthy place for people to be in, right? I know they're fleeing. I know they're moving from a place to, to, to looking for a better life. But uh, I know the the amount of risk that it, that that they put their kids through, going through that whole process, and how many of them go missing without anybody knowing about it. It's not like it's not like there's a list of them from their point of destination that gets verified when they get through. Yeah. Uh, Mexico's a black hole. People go missing. Do you, Do you have any idea of how many? Not just children, but women. You know, I've I've thing. I've heard I've heard. This is again. There's no official documentation. People are literally swimming across the, the the river, jumping the border, and just making groups on the Mexican side, and just making forcing their way up, or getting bust up, or use, utilizing some of the train networks, or just walking. Right? Um, you hear rumors and stories about you know a group of uh, seventy kids that turned into a group of forty before Damn. they made it to the border. 
or a group of uh, kids that had an intermix of women, uh, of uh, females and males in the group of minors, and all the females went missing, right? And these are all, you know, stories that they say, things that show up on social media, you know, things that are shared by like rumors on Facebook. But then you go and see the camps directly and then you kind of hear the stories about some of the people that are there, that are staying there. And you hear some of this, these, hey, where's this, you know, these people just, I think they probably went across or, I mean, because they're not here and they left their stuff. They probably yeah. saw an opportunity went across, or they're just gone. So there's, there's, they don't have any idea where the hell they are. They there's, don't know there's, if no, there's no accountability. It's a group of people regularly moving through a country trying to get into another. So if you're a predator, that's a prime hunting ground for that. You know that type of stuff. Is this word getting back to the people that are to come? That are going to come across next month? They're, they're, or they're just willing to take the risk? Or I mean, they, they consider the places where they're at so dangerous that they're willing to make that risk for themselves and their kids because a lot of them are coming with minors now that also creates a hell of a lot of opportunity you know it's um it's disheartening and weird to see americans coming down and supporting some of these some of these some of these encampments with the best of intentions you know, again, I'm an I'm an immigrant to this country. I came here with nothing, and through uh, through hard work and just starting, just just going forward, I I figured my way into into having a little bit of something, right? Uh, Americans are going down there, giving them clothing, food, uh, all of the tents that they have set up are all donations by Americans. Um, they're uh, they're they're donating uh, you know drugs uh, food like things for them that then gets that that then oh thank you and a lot of them get sold in some of the open air markets down there as well so they can make it a little money you know yeah. that's how they support themselves but realistically a lot of that gets turned into things that are taxed for them right and also some of these uh, some of these encampments are taxed just to be there by the people that own that property what i mean by own i mean there are parts on that border that are owned by interest mm -hmm. if i'm a cartel member and i spend my time trying to figure out ways of pulling putting drugs across that border into california one of the biggest drug markets on the planet it's not in my best interest to see a caravan there right unless i'm using it as a distraction so i can pass something somewhere else mm -hmm opportunities everywhere earlier right before we came up here um we're you know we're, i was asking about you know some of the opportunities that have been created for the cartels and uh for other you know organizations and criminals and and right off the bat you had brought up that they are marking these people with I don't think they even know they're being marked with the bracelets. And yeah. I, I want you to go into, you know, the opportunity that they saw with the, with the people that are trying to get across the border and what they're doing to them, how they're marking them. Yeah, there's, se there's several crossing points across, uh, across the border. And, you know, again, you made a major, as a country, you made a major investment in that border wall. 
and that's that's a great investment i guess for people but for some people that are very about the wall and build a wall it's a fence it's not a wall <laughs> but i know the purpose of it was designed for it to, for it to slow down immigration uh the problem is that you uh, in one in one in one form you build up the wall but in another form you basically tied the hands of the people that manned that wall through yeah. border protection right so again it's prime time for these people yeah you have you know the the you have the 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 coop is unguarded it's the now or never it's, attitude it's the now or never attitude and in some parts of that border when people show up to get across they have to go through a coyote or a, per, a people smuggler and that people smuggler will get you know, let's see a group of them and they will charge them a percentage of what what they need to get across if they don't have it they'll get bans on their hands this guy paid in full this guy still owes this is a minor he's this is going to be they're going to pay us for him when he gets across um she's interesting mm -hmm. so let's put another band on her like they mean something and it's interesting to see that a lot of the minors that show up on the border are usually you know they're usually of a certain age in males you don't see a lot of teenage women across the border that get caught in some of these dragnets I, I i want americans to when they watch the news to see that and and figure out why that is is it because women don't make the trip there's a lot of older women that do make the trip what's going on with some of the younger women why why do you see a lot of them in in, in these groups um mexico has a tendency to eat and make people disappear and people fostering supporting and you know cheering some of these groups as they go make their way up need to realize that there is a machine that's feeding off these people that is not related to any humanitarian yeah crisis or issue it's a machine that basically is rejoicing with the way the border is currently you know for those uh that are listening that aren't reading between the lines here they're being sold into the sex trade some of them are being sold into a sex trade uh some of them are being sold into local mexican sex markets that they're because that's there's a lot of them out there as well um also one thing that people need to realize the cartels don't stop at the border uh, the they have networks stateside that are ready to receive labor force people that they can rent out they have set up uh, set it up here so they can receive women that they can then utilize for whatever activity they need to um, they're working on this side as well so the border border doesn't mean a lot to them you know as far as the business goes do you think that they're do you think they see a golden opportunity as well as we're going to beef up our presence in the United States uh they, they with no. co during COVID they a very specific cartel did that um during the COVID epidemic the new generation cartel is the one that grew up exponentially during the whole crisis down there and the reason it did is because it had control over the ports on the Pacific side of the ocean hmm. basically uninterrupted supply chain to somewhere across the ocean yeah um that specific cartel grew in power and influence during that time and there was a operation stateside that caught a bunch of them um like 80 of them um 
80 of them. 80 people, 80 members of that cartel operating stateside. Uh, but it's it's clear as day to anybody that works in some of the places where they operate that they're here and they have been here for for, for a while. You know, it's not a, it's not fighting back the the cartels down there. It's they're they're transnational. They're here already. They're set up. They're, the the networks that they're setting up are here. Meanwhile, stateside, there's a corrosion of confidence in the police. There's cancel the police. There's a, a, a crisis, uh, there's, there's a looming crisis, an economic crisis that's going to turn into a really weird opiate that's going to even ramp up the opiate epidemic that's probably living through in this country. And again, it's a golden hour. Yeah. It's a golden hour of opportunity for a very specific type of people that are, they're just poised and they're doing it right now, you know. Uh, the caravan is feeding that machine. And people that think they're doing something humanitarian by supporting these groups coming up and uh, really need to kind of visit down there if they can you know do a walk through i've walked through those camps myself there's pictures of me in those camps yeah um can now, you just go down there and you can you can just you can just uh just walk right be, in. be very sure that if you take a dollar out and give it to somebody you're going to be swarmed oh, yeah <laughs> also interesting and since because i walked into one of the camps one of the camps actually set up in a, in a, at a federal space, a federal Mexican federal property space, uh, right before you go into the pedestrian crosswalk into San Isidro. And I was kicked out of there by them. Really? Yeah. They was like, hey, you can't be here. Like, I can't be here? Why? Yeah, you can't be here. Like, it's, it's for the safety of the children. You can't be here. Oh. Like, this is, uh, you're camped out in the middle, in this middle of this, uh, this, this open public space. It was, you know, you know, this is like, uh, this is, this is, this is not acceptable for people to take over a public space like this. And locals uh, in Tijuana are currently being affected not just by the the ravages of the economy that the the epidemic has, has caused. Now, some of these caravans are pressuring local government and U.S. government by doing blockades on the border crossing affecting the lives and economic well-being of thousands of residents on both sides of, of the border fence that have absolutely no you know they're not they have no fault in the in this in this situation right so people are getting agitated you know violence against and negative feelings towards some of these caravan and members and immigrants is rising you know and you, you start to see, you know, just like last time, you know, last time this happened, the locals started getting really aggressive and they activated the local immune system, which is some of these cartel organizations that hate that, that have control over the area. And you started, you're starting to see some, some, some push and pull when it comes to that in that area. Um, it's a crisis of, yeah. I mean, I don't think people understand. They, they, a lot of Americans believe that that crisis is the children suddenly appearing on that border wall and being unaccompanied. They don't realize that that kid had to go through the whole country, sometimes a few countries, to get there. And what they saw and what they survived to get to that point mm -hmm. is unimaginable to most Americans. And also, who didn't make it? Yeah. There's no, where are those numbers? Mexico can't keep track of its own dead much and own dead and own missing, much less people coming on without any documentation from the outside. 
from further south. From further south and going into some of these uh, trafficking routes all the way up to the border, which are notorious for people just go missing, you know? So, again, it's like people really need to kind of see what they're supporting when it comes to some of these things. So all these, all these uh, unaccompanied children are being sent to the border. And this is, I mean, this is being reported. So I would assume that the parents know, you know, what's happening. Why? I'm just curious, and I'm sure there's a legitimate reason, um, but why aren't the parents accompanying their kids to the border and just going across with them? Because, I mean, three years old, a lot of them are sending their kids in front of them. So when they grow up and if, if they get some sort of immigration status, they, they, they can then do chain migration and pull their families over. It's actually an ingenious tactic if you think about it. And depending on the public sentiment and who's in office, some of these kids will get protective status. And when they come of age, chain migration. Hmm. And who gave them the protective status? So it's actually it's actually a selfish act. I mean, if you, if, if, you, if you think about it, you know, how these things usually work. Mm-hmm. Um, I send over uh, my kid who's 12 or 13. He gets protected status. He, as a minor, has a better chance at getting protected status than most adults that are fleeing uh, violence in their native countries. He gets protective status, and if he gets through... He eventually, he can then solicit the U.S. government to do some, uh, figure out migration for his parents. So they're using their child as an investment. To chain migration. for that investment. It's called chain migration. Chain migration. Classic uh, case of chain migration, which is, again, Latin America isn't the only one doing chain migration in this country. Uh, But the way they're doing it is... it's risky for the people that are doing it, and it's feeding an industry that then pumps in a bunch of uh, fentanyl-laced heroin into this country as well, which is should be alarming to to the U.S. Uh, it 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 it's 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 one head of a multi-headed hydra that's down there. That's down there, growing, and it's up here growing as well. You know. So and and damn, so. The reaction to this mass migration is they are feeding, which nobody could have, I guess. I mean, well, yeah, you could have predicted this, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. they're feeding the sex trade, they're feeding the drug trade. They're they're and, feeding they're feeding the sex trade, they're feeding the drug trade. They're using them as drug mules. Golden hour again because if the border patrol is tied up with people, they're not going to be noticing drones flying across that border fence. They're not going to be noticing. Things going underneath it because, I mean, there's a bunch there of drug tunnels still act, active down, out there. So, again, it's golden hour. It's like, so, right? This is, this is what's going on right now, though. And it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's, a, there's a chance. There's a chance right now. There's a chance, right? And it's because of the politics. You know, that's, everybody down there is aware that the politics are in favor of things going Working the way out. they are right now. Yeah. Everybody up here is surprised by the fact that things are going the way they are from down there up here. So, again, it's, it's, it's weird for me since I'm a son of a border son and I can see things from both sides. It's strange to me how 
Americans America's perception starts right when the kid shows up on the border but he doesn't realize that all the stuff that happens before he gets to that border and all the money that gets paid into who it gets paid and who's making money off those kids showing up and and why are those kids showing up you know and uh what's the end game with all this stuff I don't know um I just know it's it's putting in danger a lot of people on both sides of the border. A lot of people that we will never even know about have gone already, have gone missing, right? A lot of people are gonna end up in that desert. Um, a lot of people are gonna get, just get, 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 end up eaten or consumed by the industry, whatever industry that may be, drug industry, sex industry, whatever industry that may be. Um, and again, people need to look deep and hard about what they're supporting and and I get the whole being humanitarian I do a lot of charity work on the border when I when I can uh, when I was on one uh, when I went through a walkthrough in one of these uh, board, uh, these uh, migrant encampments I met a lady who was from Michoacan uh, she was fleeing cartel violence in Michoacan she had two minors with her like babies and she was living in a tent and they were eating a roasted chicken that they were trying to make last and it's it was pretty past it's you know yeah they were trying i uh i feel for them you know i gave them some money you know on the download so i wouldn't get swarmed um i heard their story and i i i, I, I feel for them you know, but uh, what they're fleeing from is terrorism, right? I, I, I think we can safely assume that cartel organizations in Mexico are a terrorist organization, even though the U.S. doesn't want to recognize them as such for a myriad of reasons, a lot of them including not wanting to give amnesty to fleeing Mexicans uh, because they are legitimately fleeing from a terrorist organization, which would make them you know, viable candidates for things like, uh, you know, asylum, you know. So you want to, you, you see these, uh, you see these groups trying to, you know, these, these groups causing a disruptive change and people being displaced by them, moving out. Um, you know, what's, this, what's the solution there? You know, build yeah. a fence, um, <clears throat> put more people on the border. You can line up all of the Marines on Camp Pendleton on that border. And you did it for a while during during the Trump administration. That's not gonna be enough. Well, you know, when you're talking about, you know, they're running from terrorism. They're running from terrorism because the cartels were able to somehow overrun the government, overrun the police, overrun the military. And, you know, what's interesting here in the US is uh, we're defunding yeah. the police. Yeah. And so when you see 170,000 people come across, I mean, you said they were catching uh, just a minute ago, 80 people, 80 cartel members at a time crossing. Now we have, and last year that was 30,000 30, people, you know, in March. Now there's 170,000 people coming across one year later in one month. They know that we're defunding police in all these cities. Golden so hour. if I was a cartel, a 
a head of one of the cartels, I would be infiltrating those cities that have been defunded to overrun the entire city and run everything. And we've already seen this happen with the mobs, you know. Uh, money, money was moved around, guns were moved around, drugs were moved around during upheavals across this country related to police brutality. Mm -hmm. That's that's a spoken secret in some of these places. And I've been through some of these places like Portland, you know, uh, uh, Atlanta, when some of these things were happening. And of course, like, if, you know, when the, when the cat's away, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, you're, you're not only sending the cat away, you're killing it <laughs> up here. Yeah. Uh, uh, things that the U.S. needs to recognize right the fuck now, if, if they can. Mexico is a failed state. There's no argument about it. The government doesn't have control over large portions of its border and whole states. There's places where they can't fly over because they'll get knocked down by you know cartel artillery, right? Damn. Uh, see not the the Culiacanasa, what happened in Sinaloa, where the army was defeated. Again, if, if 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 that is not a sign of a failed state, you know, I don't know what is. And I was a part of that system, and I can tell you, if I was a betting man, I would not bet on any single government institution down there to make things right, right? Yeah. So that would that leads me into asking the the American people and you know, with politicians up here. So if you can't bet on the government to make things stable down there, what's next? The cartels? Yeah. Bet on one of the cartels. Um, interesting theory somebody said once. If the U.S. really wants to protect its southern border, it's not going to ask for help for the for the Mexican government. Think about that, right? Who would you ask for help if you were the U.S. if you wanted to keep that border secure? I would ask our military. I mean, that's that's who you would, you would ask. On the Mexican side, you probably have to ask the cartels because those are guys that are in control. Yeah. So you just think about that specific thing. As an American, the denial and or inability to accept that there's a failed state right next to us. My home, I can say that. It's a failed state because it can't guarantee basic human rights. It's a failed state because it has political killings across its across the country and has... Uh, journalists killed uh, there was a recently a pretty well-known journalist that was killed down there um uh, covering cartel issues and that's like that's every month yeah um shootouts in the middle of the street you know safe cities turning into the most dangerous cities on the planet uh, from one year to another uh murder rates being the highest they've been ever in the history of ever in mexico um, mass body graves discovered constantly out there, not being able to keep adequate numbers of how many people are dead because they can't find the bodies. Uh, more than 90% of murders never being solved in Mexico. Do you think these cartels are specifically beefing up numbers in cities like Portland, Seattle? They're, 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 they're here. They're, 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 they're set up. They're, they're yeah. in legal industry and illegal industry. They're transnational. You know, they're 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 everywhere from Northern Africa to Europe, to like there's been cases of some Sinaloa cartel members uh, 
arrested in places as far off as Australia and yeah. uh, and the Philippines. So, I um, guess what I'm uh, I guess what I'm getting at is are they are they specifically targeting those cities because they're weak yes. and they no, and it, they see it's, opportunity it's ownership. It's ownership. It's ownership. Uh, so, the way they operate in places like I don't know Chicago, Seattle, stuff like that, they run. They run, they run the product in and locals distribute for them, you know. They utilize motorcycle gangs as well uh, across the country. So they, they, just, they just put the product and distribute. Now I think when the, what, when the change is going to come that's going to be hard to kind of swallow here in the States is when a rival comes in and wants to move uh, another cartel out of, out of its oh. place, right? Yeah. And we're seeing the birth of a giant militarized cartel in Mexico called the New Generation Cartel that is about to take over most of Mexico. They're fighting for control in Mexico with Sinaloa. The next fight for control with Sinaloa is going to be stateside. It's already happening in small pockets here in the States. An overt cartel presence in the States is... Like I'm talking about an armed convoy of people doing something in some capacity that's going to be spectacular. I think that is really close in front of us. I'm talking about something that will change the way law enforcement and just the general public thinks about cartel presence in the United States. Hmm. L.A. shooting type change. You yeah. know, bank ro- L.A. bank robbery shooting type change. You think change. that's going to happen soon? Sooner than later? I think that's going to happen sooner than later. I think you're, we, we, we're seeing two ginormous criminal enterprises growing up in Mexico right now that are being fostered by current border issues, by porous borders created by the current border crisis, uh, by an inept government in Mexico, federal government in Mexico, and just an inept government at, like across the board in Mexico right now. It's a failed state. The United States refusing to recognize that and still pumping in money. Uh, another thing Americans need to realize, the U.S. has been outsourcing not only its border protection policies to Mexico, but its drug fighting policies to Mexico. Um, all of this, all, uh, the U.S. through its tax dollars pays for guns, equipment, wages, training to cops and military personnel in Mexico. Which are owned by the cartels. And also, if you're not auditing that money, I mean, if you're investing in that outsourcing and the money's still going down there, mm-hmm. the border crisis is worse. So why are you outsourcing border protection to Mexico when it's actually worse now? And we just passed the most lethal year to be a Mexican in the history of ever. And you're still sending money down there to pay for it. They're not, they're not demanding any results, you know. Audit. Uh, again, if people want to make a change, you know, if people want to do something, where's that money going? Who's getting paid? Yeah. Why is there no accountability with that money going down south, right? Like, I was paid with some of that money. I received training in Coronado. Like, I, I remember... Uh, being part of a program of uh, of cops that went to Coronado and were trained in you know uh, anti-terrorism, uh, 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 executive protection, medical, like a lot of things. That, like we were pretty, that was an investment in us. We felt amazing about it. Went down there, did the work, 
Um, some of some of the people that I worked with went crooked, you know. Some of them didn't, you know. I got out, um, but it was always amazing to me that w there was never any kind of follow up, follow up, or follow through as far as accountability to to like. So okay, thank you, trained you to go to go out there and do whatever you need to do. You know, I think that is at the core of a lot of the issues that are going on currently down south that the U.S. is not holding accountable people down there for some of the you know, issues that are plaguing it, you know. Um, you have a global enemy right now, a rival with China. China is visibly and clearly in Mexico. And, yeah. and that is, again, a big elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about as well. Well, nobody wants to talk about China. China just bought several thousand acres and and Texas put a wind, uh, whatever, a wind facility in to, for electricity. And so this Chinese green power plant that they put in is powering the biggest military base in Texas. Uh, you can, can't make this shit up. Can, 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 can both of us agree that smuggling Massive amounts of meth precursors and fentanyl out of China would be nearly impossible if we were a criminal enterprise based in China. Yeah. Could we agree upon that? Yeah. We're talking about a country that is basically big brother come to life. There's no way things are smuggled out of that country without Chinese state knowing. So once you, we agree to that, we then have to agree that fentanyl output uh, didn't diminish, it increased during the COVID epidemic into Mexico. And the reason why that is, is because that's being pumped into low-grade heroin that's then being supplied to the U.S. Now, is that a form of chemical warfare? I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe I'm stretching it, you know, if I say that. But is it killing Americans stateside? I mean, I think they're definitely in it for the long play. And there's one thing we've learned about China. They're extremely patient. And also, the NBA can't talk bad about them. Is this America? Like, wh where am I? You yeah. know, uh, you can't say anything bad about it, you know. But, but on the other hand, you know, they're doing it. And that, I, again, it's, it's surreal, disheartening. And you know, people are like, hey, Ed, what do you talk about? Are you worried about talking some of these things? Like, I'm... I came up here to seek out that American dream, which I know is real. Like I've been, I've been seeing elements of it, you know, and I'm worried about. It. I'm worried about the future. You know, what future am I going to create for myself and my family up here? You know, um, when we talk about things to worry about in the future, those things have happened to me in my country. Mm -hmm. So when I'm when I'm when I'm up here saying some of these things, it's not me, you know. Um, it's, it's me warning it's it's me warning you about things that I've seen happen already yeah and I see elements of it happening up here there was a there wasn't a, a time long ago when people would laugh at police corruption they would laugh at police brutality they would laugh at Mexico's inability to police a, a region or a zone American law enforcement would laugh at that we're not laughing anymore and now there's, there, was, there's, there were legit parts of this country that had no police force to respond to a, an emergency. 
right? And we had autonomous zones to set up and governments that permitted that. Um, I think as a country, you're not, you shouldn't laugh at that anymore. You should kind of, you know, this, this, this is, this is, uh, you know, uh, uh, I quoted out, I quote Alan Watts a lot. You know, I like listening to Alan Watts, pretty interesting character, you know, a bit of a hippie and whatever backstory he has, you know, kind of weird. Uh, but he, um, he, he, in one of his lectures, he talks about how the Hindus would always kind of divide things into fours. Like every cycle was four parts. The first part was always a beautiful part, you know, lasted a long time. Everything was great, everything was good, everything was bountiful. And I think that probably ended in the 80s here in the States. If I'm kind of like, a, like just being an outsider, I think the 80s was the last of that. Then after that comes a, a, a period of a weird, it's good, but it's unstable, you know. Uh, think of the uh, snake in the, uh, in the garden of Eden, you know, uncertainty. Then there's a time in our history where things are evenly matched between good and evil, you know. Think of a chair with one without one leg. It's unstable. You can sit on it still, but it's wobbly. Yeah. I think that's where we are. And what comes after is... I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, politics aside, you know, us versus them, left versus right. I'm an immigrant to this country. I am a permanent resident. I can't vote here yet. I'm looking to, I'm seeking out my full citizenship. Like I, I like I legit, I'm working towards it. When I say I'm working towards it, um, I work with charity. Uh, I, I, I have a charity myself working with people uh, on the southern border. And also I, I, I run charities working with people in the veteran community up here as well. Even though I wasn't part of the military up here, I have a debt that I need to pay with some of the members of the, the community up here. So I do that. I try and figure out ways of making my community better by reaching out to people that are struggling with things like depression and shit like that. You know? It's an amazing place to be. And the things that are leaving us or that are going away, one of the, some of the main reasons why I came up here, like personal freedoms, like personal responsibilities, not just freedoms, because every freedom comes with a responsibility. And I, I, I'm, I'm very invested in those responsibilities up here. It's disheartening to, 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 to me to see communities just giving some of that, some of those, those freedoms away and some of those responsibilities, you know, let the government sort it out, you know, let, uh, you know, you know, why do you need guns? The police will come. Yeah. Um, you know, this whole push, current push for gun control and having conversations with people about gun control, like in my, my perspective on it. Wait till somebody rolls up to your house and asks for your prettiest daughter so they can take it to a party. And then tell me that you would want to be the one without a gun in that conversation. Yeah. You know, it's, again, my world has ended several times over. So when I come here with warnings of the apocalypse, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people know that you know what the hell you're talking about. But <clears throat> what, what is your charity doing down there? Uh, there's a... In Tijuana, you said? Yeah, we started a charity on, uh, on the southern side of it. Uh, I've been, I've been, I've been gathering funds for the, uh, for, 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 uh, people stateside for a while, veteran community people. 
Uh, but now, uh, kind of going back, uh, I revisited some of the people that I used to work with that stayed in, that stayed clean, that stayed on the straight and the, and the narrow. Uh, people are still in the fight, you know. Um, I had a moment recently uh, where I, I had a need, you know, and some of them came and helped me out with a project that I was working on. And they kind of re put me back in touch with some of the people that were that are still in and some of the families that were left behind by some of the agents that were killed down there. Um, insurance policies and protection for families of fallen uh, agents and military members down there is almost non-existent. How long have you been, uh, is this a new venture that you're on? Or? We've, been, uh, we've been working on it for the past three months. Uh, it's a, the cause is called Niños Perdidos, the Lost Boys. Uh, specifically related to under-equipped, under-trained uh, people that are still in it, uh, that have a background verification that we run, uh, that they run people through, that so we know they're on the straight and narrow. Uh, so we support them with training and equipment if we can, and specifically donations in the form of financial donations and, and uh, for some of the kids that some of these agents left behind uh, after they, you know. Yeah. the way to do to work related uh, situations included in these kids is a young girl that uh, lost the use of one of her hands after both her father who was an agent that I that worked for the same office that I work with and her mom were killed uh, outside of their house killed by uh, two young men wielding FN 57s that were part of the fast and furious uh, fiasco um, and they're forgotten, you know? Yeah. And so we're trying to shed some light on some of these kids and also shed some attention uh, uh, when it comes to supporting some of these uh, some of these forgotten kids that are out there, you know? Like, uh, it's hard to move forward, forward when, you, when you have some of that stuff behind you. So yeah. I've been slowly kind of making my way back to them. Well, that's fucking solid. Are you ready to receive donations? Or are you still? Uh, it we're, we're setting it up so there's complete transparency, so people can actually see where those donations go, and we're setting up a website for it now. Uh, we're already working with a, with a, with an association attached to that 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 works down south, uh, but we're gonna have some uh, some updates pretty soon when we go live with it, and so that people can see where their money goes, uh, they can attach a. a a face to who who they're who they're who they're gonna help and stuff like that. We're we're, we're trying to have a have that out for you for people that want to help out. That's awesome. We'll be helping out. That'll be amazing. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. I think this is a pretty good one. Hit pause. Go over to VigilanceElite.com, pick yourself up one of these sweet shirts. And if you're lucky, maybe these hats will be in stock too. So talking with you earlier, you had mentioned that your old boss, or was, was he your commander? He was, he was one of one of my you know directors that they, that I used to work under. Is uh, now a he's fugitive. A, he's a fugitive of the of justice right now in Mexico. In Mexico, 
Uh, this is a man that was decorated with honors by the DEA, the FBI, a man that has been consistently named as one of the, actually, the people that actually made a difference in Mexico was when it comes to fighting, uh, uh, fighting some of these cartels. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lezaola is his name. If people want to find out more about him, there's a documentary on, on him, I think, uh, out there. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lezaola was instrumental in basically bringing back Tijuana from the brink. And when I mean from the brink, I mean Tijuana was going to be a, a Vietnam-type era space, you know? Uh, that's what it was going to turn into if uh, somebody like him didn't come into the picture and actually change the way we would fight cartels down there. The reason why Lezaola was so successful is that he didn't treat the cartels as a criminal problem. He didn't uh, focus on it as a problem that was going to be solved with regular or traditional policing tactics. He treated it as an insurgency. And I think that's what most people, again, struggle with on that side of the border, on this side of the border. They want to fight it as a policing problem when it really is an insurgency on several fronts against a government that is not in control. Yeah. Um, he was very instrumental in, in bringing Tijuana from the most dangerous city uh, on the planet, you know, from the number one spot, to taking it out of the list altogether. Um, he also worked in Juarez as a police chief and did the same. The murder rates just dropped dramatically. He's being accused of being a torturer of men. He's being accused of being um, a human rights violator and a few other things. Um, I know this man, you know, not only know him, I worked with him and uh, invited him into my home. Uh, he is a man of honor, like nobody else that I've met before. He is a hard man. <laughs> and he is a hard enemy, if that is what you choose him to be. Um, the last attempt at his life, because he had several assassination attempts on his life, including a fake military convoy doing a roadblock on him, <laughs> uh, and some, uh, a cartel group trying to poison his uh, favorite juice drink. The last one took the use of his legs. They shot him in the back uh, in, uh, in the last attempt they, they, they had on his life. And when he lost his legs, he said, well, I guess I'll go into politics. And he's been running for the office of mayor for two or three times in the last few years. And he's been consistently being blocked. Up Tijuana. He wants to be a mayor of Tijuana. And the powers that be in Mexico, again, Mexico's a failed state. Yeah. Current political uh, climate in Mexico is very to the left. You know, there's an open Chavista supporter in the presidency in Mexico right now in the form of Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. It's a leftist federal government right now. And people like Lezaola, who represent the other side of the political spectrum in Mexico, which is, you know, a, political, a, a to the right conservative political spectrum. Um, that will create or transform a place that they would govern, just like Tijuana. Then they're pulling out all the stops against people like that. You know, you I'm know, just curious does does the government even matter anymore, or down there, or is it just an extension of the cartel? It matters 
where it, you know, it matters where it has control. And that is getting smaller and smaller every day. Um, also, a lot of these criminal organizations um, down there not only own infrastructure in some places, uh, they are involved in legitimate businesses that intertwine with political uh, politicians' uh, legitimate businesses. So they have, they're intertwined, they're in control. Um, you know, the U.S. just let go of a, of a high-ranking general who was clearly recorded and, 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 and seen associating with a major cartel in, in Mexico and favoring them through his tenure as the head of uh, our equivalent of a secretary of defense. And you arrested him in the United States in an unprecedented move that the U.S. have never done. You let him go to face justice in Mexico. And when he got down there, what do you think the federal government did with him? Escorted home. Nothing. He was nothing. He was escorted home. Now, that is the government that you as American taxpayers, myself included, because I also pay taxes up here now, we're paying that government to solve shit down there for us. We're paying them to fortify their border wall on the south side of the border wall. We're paying for instruction for their for we're paying for we're paying and training some of the military down there. You know, and again, what results are we getting as a country? Yeah. Uh, again, if people want to know what to do, like what can Joe uh, regular Joe Blow or whatever you want to call him out there do? Um, accountability. If you have a representative, accountability for what your tax dollars are doing down there. We have been paying for that drug war for how long? And it's getting worse, not better. Yeah. So what's wrong with that relationship? And we've been supporting the government down there, and the government has consistently proven to be on the take and part of the problem. So I'm I'm not I'm not telling you what the solution is, but I think part of the solution is to for Americans to start demanding accountability for what that money that they're sending down south is paying for, and the zero results we're getting back from it. Yeah, I mean uh, I think it's just people have it so good here, you know, out of sight, out of mind. They don't want to think about it. It's not actually happening. You know, I mean, look at the average American, what do they do? They wake up, they go to work, they get paid, they buy a bunch of shit, you know, hang out with the family. They don't see any dramatic anything. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's good. Yeah. You know, we put a lot of work into that. Yeah. You know, protecting yeah, uh, that. Um, and and it's 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 so good that I travel to uh, to a different state every every weekend. Like I think I've seen more parts of this country than most Americans, I guess. Uh, and I see things going away in some parts of it. Yeah. Uh, I got to I got to visit the U.S. when I was in the '80s and the '90s. It's not the same U.S. that I visited in the '80s and the '90s. No. And. That's my perspective perspective from the outside. Now I'm inside and I can see things crumbling away in certain parts of, you know, just what I would perceive to be important, you know. Um, 
I don't think people know what it is uh, to live in a place where, you know, you would rather call the cartel than the cops to sort something out, right? Uh, I think we'll, you know, I think in some parts of this country, you'll, you'll probably get to a point like that. I think that's coming very soon. And again, people doubted that. You know, people touted cartel presence here. There was a case of a teacher that decided to rip off a cartel house, a money house on the states, and they, you know, the cartels went after him. You know, overtly went after a teacher, and it made the news. And you know, they're overtly killing people in the states. Yeah, uh, I worked on a case years back where the cartels were dressed like ICE agents, abduct not, uh, Mexican nationals. They were hiding in San Diego and dragging them back to Mexico. Now, if if an Islamic state actor did the same thing, he would have drones flying over that mm-hmm. border. <clears throat> Again, it's a dirty word. You can't call them terrorists. Yeah. Well, this is also partially the you know the press's fault too because they're not covering that kind of shit. But you know, you think something's coming sooner than later. I think there's going to be uh, an overt cartel action stateside within, you know, soon. That's going to show Americans in a very shocking way how deeply ingrained they're already uh, that they already are here, and it's probably going to be directly related to a, a growing rivalry and push for control by a major cartel coming out of Mexico called the New Generation Cartel, and then fighting for interest here stateside with the Sinaloa Cartel. Do you have um, any idea what kind of where where that would happen? Uh, you know, you could see where drugs run up into the stateside, so that could happen in L.A. It could happen in Dallas. It could happen in Chicago. You know, it could happen in a lot of places on its way up. It could happen in Oklahoma, which is a nodule for drug and other things that are trafficked both up and down into Mexico. So, so the way this, the, the way it usually happens, and this is, you know, just people to kind of keep an eye out for some of these things. Uh, the way corrosion worked in Mexico is this. Cartels started getting involved in legal operations and legal money, intermingling with members of industry and members of well-off families. It started recruiting and it started recruiting and bringing in some of the sons and kids of these industries to kind of basically meld themselves into the legal side of the money in some environments. Then they started putting people into police academies at a young age and paying for people that are already on the, on the force to basically start developing interest within police forces. Um, then they started investing in the career paths of lawyers doctors, people that would have an immigration process on stateside. So now they had distribution people catching them on the other side of the border that had a vested interest in keeping because they paid for my immigration process. So now I need to work with these people. So they start building a, 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 a they start spreading out an influence in the, in the region, right? And eventually, you know, they gain control over politics as well. You'll start seeing some of their, their tendrils go into politics as well. Hmm. And you'll see a corrosion, and usually that corrosion leads into a distrust or or a distrust or a corrosion of confidence in police forces. 
guess where we are here in the States. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was going to say. I lived through that down there, and I know where it leads. I thought we were ending this, but that's exactly where I was headed to is, you know, you're talking about them infiltrating the police force. We are ripping the police lower force standards, down. Lower standards, lower uh, standards, underfunding, lower standards for training, uh, neuter your police force. Yeah. And that is exactly what happened in Mexico. And that is what's happening up here. Different reasons, you know, related to cameras being out and, and, and stupid people doing stupid things with a badge at, at some at sometimes. And yeah. also people doing legit justified things and stupid people giving their opinions on that justified action. Both of those things lead to corrosion and confidence. And... The only people winning are are, are, are not going to be, you know, the victims of these crimes or the police. You know, it's going to be the people that benefit from the fact that these people don't, that the police are not going to have any confidence with the local populace. Yeah. Or that they're going away or that they're not going to be called. They're, they're, they have defunded them. They're dismantling the police departments in, in certain cities. Crime is up. Cartels see an opening. They're eventually going to have to rebuild that force, yeah, because it's so out of control, and that's when the cartels can slide in there and insert, you know, their ask, members ask, into that police force as it's being rebuilt because of the lower standards. Because they have to lower the standards to beef up the department to what it. Ask ask around right now to all the people you know, young guys, who wants to be a cop right now? Nobody. They're they're leaving. So and ask a lot of the young people uh, who the, who of them watch Narcos Mexico. Yeah. Who of them knows who who El Chapo is or you know Escobar was? You know, if I did a show like that, glorifying, sexifying, and making uh, Osama bin Laden kind of sexy and kind of mysterious mm. like that, and glorifying some of the shit, would I get into trouble if, if I was Netflix? No. Probably right. Um. There are things that are there. There are things out there culturally that are being, you know, you see some of these things and like, wow, you know, that's acceptable, but this isn't acceptable over here. Yeah. Um, the corrosion and confidence confidence in the police forces is something that I've already seen, and I know where it leads. Underfund it, lower standards, uh, make it undesirable to be a police officer and wait for that place to go to hell. That's all I'm going to say. That's all that needs to be said. It makes perfect sense. But I think we'll we'll end it there. But, cool. um, man, Ed, thank you for the insight. And um, if you could please send us any footage that you have, I would love to put that in this video. Yeah, and, and, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you some of the material that I have. And... Uh, if people want to be aware of what's going on down there, uh, there's a news for, uh, there's a news source that I that we work uh, closely with called Demolaire on Instagram. If people want to follow that, constantly getting censored, constantly mm -hmm. getting some of the stuff that we post up uh, as far as news and just reporting on the border issues. Um, I'd like to make a petition and a plea to people out there, if I can, if you will allow me to. Absolutely, we'll link um, it. We'll link it below in the description. Social media, censoring shit, 
our reaction as citizens shouldn't be leaving social media. It should be fucking forcing our ways on it and figuring out ways around some of the restrictions. Yeah. That is what a true patriot would do. Don't go off it. Figure a way onto it and figure a way around it. That's what I've been trying to do with my, my, with my platforms. And I would ask people out there to, to be of like-minded and support those actions. Uh, there's a lot of people out there providing amazing information. There's a lot of people out there trying to set up their own informa independent information uh, um, uh, centers or, or uh, spaces. Um, I'm of the mindset that, you know, some of these social media giants and spaces, that's where people congregate, that's what people see. And moving off it is admitting defeat, you know? Yeah. And I'm not there. And hopefully people out there will join me in not being there, just figuring out a way to make it work, yeah. figuring it out. Um, don't back down. That's what I want to say, if I can. Uh, if people want to learn more uh, about my work, you know, edsmanifesto.com and you know, follow me on the, on the social medias I'm around. You just started TikTok. How's that working out for you? We'll see. <laughs> people are doubting it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I like I, I like I like the challenge. Yeah. I like the I like the the challenge of making a format of work as an education tool, as an information tool, and you know I'm known for my humor as well. You know yeah. because it can't all be, you know, Santa Muertes and knives. It has to you know, every now and then it has to be a Chihuahua dancing around or something. You know. Yeah. You know, never lose an opportunity to make somebody smile. Well. We'll link all those, uh, we'll link all your social media, we'll link everything uh, in the description. And uh, man, I just, I just want to say your work is phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. I love what you're doing. And, uh, and as always, I hope to see you again. And, and, uh, you know, best of luck in all your endeavors. We'll see you you're out there. Crushing it. I'll see you out there, man. All right. Celebrate the Black Friday sales event at Woodhouse Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Blair. Step into a new Jeep that you can count on. From the awarded new Grand Cherokee to the capable 2022 Jeep Compass, the Jeep lineup won't compromise on power, technology, or comfort. Delivering confidence and convenience for 29 years. Woodhouse Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Blair is your trusted auto partner. Visit us off Highway 30 in Blair or online at WoodhouseChryslerJeepDodge.com. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.